Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's um, Tuesday. And um, let me see if I can do the Haftarah now. This Haftarah part is correct. Today's talk is uh, being sponsored by the uh, Fleischman family, by the Fle- by Ben Fleischman. Uh, it's his dad's uh, yard site. I can't believe it's 17 years. Shmuel Fleischman, many of us um, here in Baltimore remember him very well. A person who was, uh, wow, 17 years. I would have thought it was like six years, seven years. Um, it was a person who was... Uh, a businessman and also Ben Torah, I mean, you know, really, you know, sometimes they say those expressions, it's just a, a, a phrase. He really was the real thing, he was a very fine person, and um, Shmuel, the late Shmuel was a student of my father a million years ago back in the old TA, whoever in the old neighborhood. Um, I'm taking it back to old Baltimore history, so uh, it's very nice that the, his son, Shmuel's son, Ben, is, is doing this. In tribute to his father's memory and Shum Shavali, as we say. And the best of least to Shum is to have good kids. You know, that's that's the truth. Uh, so thank you. Today's Torah is funny because it's the prophet Samuel, Shmuel Navi, and you know, in his farewell speech. By that I mean Shmuel's giving up his job. You know, just for the heck of it, I open up to see how the art school, art school in the stone chumash has got to be goody goody. You know, that's that's the policy. Art school is like Walt Disney. They have to stick to a brand. And so one of the things they have in art school, in the Stone Chumash, is if you look at the after at the end of the book, they'll give you uh, the reason why they think that this after was used this year. I don't think there's any safer that actually says authoritatively why they picked this after to go for this week, but you can tell. And um, they have them for this week also. I wanted to see if they would say what I would say, but they do not. Uh, I'll cut right to the chase. What goes around comes around. Korach accused Moshe of malfeasance, and he drove Moshe to the wall just because Moshe was charged with personal, you know, uh, uh, stealing and so forth. Until he said, "Lo That's very embarrassing. You understand? Like uh, I remember Nixon. Do you remember Nixon? I'm not a crook. <laughs> That's your uh, statement. I'm not a crook. Now, Dixon Taka was a crook, but Moshe Bey said, I'm not a crook, okay? To be uh, charged in public and have to defend yourself. And the only way you can defend yourself is simply to deny it. You understand? What are you going to say? If I walked up to you, I said, you know, everybody knows you murdered your mother, shot your father, and stole from your sister. All you can say is, it's not true. <laughs> you get it? It's not true. So the whole, the, the, the charge itself is humiliating. Well, guess what? Korach's grandson did, had to do the same thing, because that's Shmuel Anavi. And I think you know the story. He was the prophet. It's, it's, it's very ironic. But I'm going to try to argue today it can be used in, viewed in two ways, uh, if you know how to analyze, or at least that's what I think. Uh, you know, I always say that's all I can tell you. Um, Shmuel Hanavi comes a couple hundred years later. According to tradition, he is the grandson of Korach, from the Bnei Korach. Uh, Shmuel 
you know, we always say is keep that in mind because they say Moshe Baron Bakarna Bashmul Bakari Shmo. I think you've heard that before. I mean, I've you heard the Vart that Shmuel is among the greatest in the VM. Moshe Baron Bakarna, Shmuel Bakari Shmo. The Khazal say he was among the biggest in the VM. And Shmuel, by the way, uh comes from a very different background. He was I won't use the word Kadashmi Rechem, but Kadashmi babyhood, because the mother you know the story, the mother raised him and then she deposited him in the Mishkan with Ailey at a very young age. And he grew up not with a normal childhood. He grew up with no friends, no baseball games, you know, no, uh, you know, running around and doing things that kids do. He grew up with Ailey Akoin and Ailey's sons. And in Shmuel's case, it worked, right? Because at a very young age, he got Nevoa. I think anybody knows the slightest thing about the book of Shmuel knows the story that, you know, Hashem calls to Shmuel, he says, here I am, he thought it was Ailey, and then by the time it's over, it's clear that Hashem has talked to him. That is very unusual. The people like the Rambam and the others have a hard time with that, because you're supposed to be, according to the philosophical point of view, a person shouldn't be a Novi, until they're mature and educated, I mean, highly educated, and this, that, and the other. And here you have Samuel, who's a boy. Nar, I think it says. And, uh, you know, and God is talking to him. I remember in um, Lutzata, what's it called? Der Hashab. And he has a whole long thing on uh, Nevoah in his particular way. And also he's got a D, you know, and in his tautological fashion, you know, that's the one thing about the Der Hashem. He takes things as they are and then says, this is how things are. So he'll say, you know, in order to be a Navi, do X, Y, and Z. But then once in a while you have a Navi like Shemuel, you know, who's who gets it even when he's young. So Shemuel is the most unusual. Um... And uh, when Aileen dies, he takes over. And by the time the story's over, in our Haftorah today, he's defending himself exactly in the same way that Moshe did, even though nobody said anything directly. But it sounded like they did. Uh, because Shmuel is very angry that the people want a king. I think you know that story. I'm sure I've spoken about it many times before. It's one of the most famous themes in biblical Parshanut. I know, I can't remember when. That I've read to you from the conciliator, you know, all the uh, eight opinions, classical opinions, why it was bad to ask for a king. I'm not going to cause that over now. Uh, it's very famous. Uh, but uh, Shmuel uh, takes it as a personal affront and as a uh, charge against his honesty. And here's the irony uh, Shmuel replaced Eli and Chafne and Pinchas. They all, all died in the Battle of Ophik, killed by the Philistines in the battle. Uh, Chafni and Pichas were crooks. It's unfortunate, but that's what happened. Oh, hold on for a second. Oh, yeah, that was a hard child. Anyway, um, but what I was saying was, I think, that, uh, you know, Shmuel was this big Navi, obviously, and uh, he replaced Chafni and Pinchas, and uh, Chafni and Pichas left a very bad reputation. Now, there are some who say, you know, they didn't sin, and others say they did sin. Both opinions are presented in Chazal, but uh, they certainly leave. Whoever wrote the book of Shmuel, <laughs> which is Shmuel, leaves it out on paper that they were bad, and then Shmuel's own kids were bad. Again, if you read the book of Shmuel, I think he had a son's Yoel and Avi, if I remember correctly, and they were taking bribes. And the people come to Shmuel and they say, your kids are no good, they're taking bribes. Uh, and it, they don't accuse him directly, 
but and they couldn't you know i mean he was he was honest but apparently the greatest people in the world can't control your own kids i mean i'm just telling you what it says in the safer small the greatest people in the world and he was the greatest person in the world his time let's be clear about that shmuel and Navi, in that generation it was bigger he was the biggest person in the world at that time in the world uh but his kids were whatever you know his kids were whatever so now the people say like this uh, we want a king because you're getting old and your kids are no good and so on and so forth it's one step away from accusing him and uh and he obviously took it as a uh, personal uh you know affront and he was extremely humiliated that's what you see over here and uh yeah, Hashem even says to him you know don't worry they're not insulting you they're insulting me which means that you know Hashem saw that he's taking it as a, as a humilia as a personal affront and there's nothing an honest person <laughs> hates more than being accused of this you see if you're not so honest <laughs> it doesn't matter that much supposed to go to BB in Israel and say you cheated you stole money you took bribes what's he going to say he's going to say like this you can't prove a thing <laughs> right where's your evidence as soon as you're talking like that, you know the guy did it, he just can't prove it. Get it? What's he going to say? A BB or any politician? A Trump, a Biden, so I never took a penny. There's done that. A public figure like that doesn't exist. You understand? Uh, all they can say is you can't prove it, <laughs> which is the way it goes. Uh, somebody's momish honest? Literally never took a penny? And Shmuel Anabi's famous. They say he didn't charge for, for car fare, you know. He said, or something like that. Shormi means I, 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 I went judging cases using my own automobile with my own gas, the equivalent in those days. In other words, he didn't even take the salary to which he was entitled. Because a judge is entitled, all kinds of things like that. But to avoid even the appearance, the appearance of impropriety. So the point is, now I come to my point. In Parsha's Korach, Moshe Rabbeinu is humiliated and has to say, Lo chamor echod mehem nasasi, lakakti. That's uh, an embarrassing statement to have to make. Well, guess what? Koros grandson had to make the same thing. And that is why, as far as I'm concerned, this is after this week. Because what goes around comes around. And you cause somebody else trouble, it's going to come back to you or your descendants. He says, Hinani anu bi... I'm standing here before the Lord and before uh, King Saul, who is the Mashiach Hashem, the anointed one. Because, you know, Shmuel anointed Saul. The word Mashiach means to be to have the oil pouring in your head. Okay? In fact, the word Christianity comes from that. He, he was Mashiach him. And, I dare anybody to say here. Let me read the translation. Testify me in the presence of God and of his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Who have I robbed? Who have I coerced? From whose hand have I taken money, redemption money, that I closed my eyes to him? In other words, who paid me off, you know, as a judge, not to uh, prosecute the case? Uh, step forward. Tell me in front of everybody that I... You know, um, did that, and I'll pay you now cash. Which means, <laughs> BB, you can't do this to a Jewish audience. Basically, give a blank check. Anybody step up. 
If anybody in this crowd, the call you throw, says, I took bribery from him, you tell me the amount, and I will give you cash. So if you come forth and say, Shmuel stole from me or took from me bribe or something like this, or whatever, or cheated me when he judged the case by taking bribe from the other side, and as a result of that, I lost a half a million bucks, a million bucks, I will give you the money right now, or I'll give you a check. You know, uh, I'll, I'll take care of it. I, 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 right? Now, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Even if I'm, I'm honest, some uh, fool will step forward and say, you took $100,000 from me, I'll have to pay him up. <laughs> you see, you put yourself out there. But Shmuel could do that. And so um, unimpeachable was his conduct that the whole Claudius role said, I am Shaktanu, Right? We testify that nobody could say such a thing. You have such a reputation, nobody can even do what I just said to make something up and say, you know, because you I lost fifty thousand dollars because you took bribe from the other side, give me the fifty grand that you made me lose. Nope. And Shmuel cared about this. He said, I want you to to, to testify in the presence of God. Shmuel doesn't simply nod his head. They said, you know, uh, I want this to be publicly um, uh, recorded. So it's quite a scene. And then he goes on to do other things. It's a class act. Say, I'll pray for you even though you treated me like junk. Uh, It's a class act. You and I wouldn't do that. Okay, fine. Now, because um, he would say, you don't like me? Get out of here. You're on your own. Now, uh, uh, so Korach made Moshe do this. Korach's grandson has to do this. Now, it's, it's as I say, a delicious irony. What's up, Shat? Why is this uh, mentioned in the Torah? And why is it in the Haftorah today chosen to be the Haftorah? Well, you can go two ways. One way is to say the simple way, which I just did. And that is, I guess, that's irony. What goes around comes around, baby. You cause somebody else a humiliation, you'll get it. Or your children or grandchildren or something like that. And um, even though we have a rule that, it, you know, lo yum solvus, solvus, but it's not true. We say children shouldn't suffer from the sins of the parents. Baloney. Children suffer every day from the sins of the parents. If you got a parent who's a pervert, the kids suffer from it. You got a parent who's got this issue and that issue. Uh, in fact, all the perversion is usually the parents hand it down to the kids, and the kids keep it on, and the next one keeps it on, and the next one keeps it on. That's not fair. It's as fair or unfair as the fact that Jerbonish Holm made this person to be the son of, I'm making this up, make the son of this guy who was some kind of a pervert, and he made someone else in a normal family. And so this one ends up perpetuating the cycle, as they say, and the other one not, because the other one had good role models, and he had nothing that would lead him to do this kind of stuff, right? You know, like the Nifter we're talking about today, a nice guy, and therefore he left his kids a good legacy. Mashenkin, the other person, had a parent, mother or father, who had this issue and this issue, which they got from their parents, they got from their parents, and it perpetuates itself. So don't tell me the kids don't suffer the sin of parents. Kids always suffer the sin of parents. Right? Uh, I grew up in a uh, generation mostly of the Holocaust survivors, the children, in other words, of the Holocaust survivors. And uh, I had a lot of friends that their parents were nuts. Uh, I mean, I blame Hitler, but I know it was, and they took it out on the kids. And the kids didn't grow up 100% normal. 
from emotional perspective, from other perspective. Uh, again, in that case, it's not something happened to them. The father and mother had a perversion. It's the fact they went through the war and were scarred by the experience of being a teenager and being in Auschwitz or something something along those lines. You understand? I say gauges. And to be perfectly honest, if you know anything about war in general, a zillion GIs and people like that came back from World War II or later came back from the Korea and the Vietnam and they were messed over from the war. They called PTS something. And, you know, they couldn't bestow that on the children. Uh, and again, what a bad mazel. Here's a, a boy or a girl, well, let's say a boy. His father was a patriot and he signed up to fight in World War II or some other war and to serve the country. He didn't know they're going to send him a place to fight the Japanese or whatever and they're going to see unbelievable savagery. And the guy's going to come back not normal. He's going to come back not normal. And it's not his fault. The country did it to him. But Yumsu bun him all of us. Yumsu bun him all of us. That's the way it goes. So, you know, I know the glittering generalities. Yumsu bun him all of us, bun him all of us. But that's a judicial thing. A based in doesn't punish a child for a sin committed by the parents. That's a judicial vart. You get it? You know, if the father did a act, the father pays and not the, the son. And I'm referring only to the specific verdict. So if the father did something as Chayef Skila, the son doesn't get the Chayef Skila. That's all that means. <clears throat> That's all it means. Because I'll tell you right now, if the basin gave somebody Skila, a stoning or something like that, the humiliation will be felt by the son. So don't tell me the son won't suffer for the sin of the parents. <clears throat> right? As they gave this. <clears throat> so, you can then say, what goes around comes around. Uh, look at irony. Um, Korach caused terrible agony to Moshe because, like I said yesterday, it's true that Moshe prevailed in the end, but Moshe, I'm sure, was never the same person afterwards. We never give thought to this because Moshe saw uh, up front, close and personal, that the Jewish people would pick a loser like Korach over him. It, it shows you in what estimation his conduct was held. So that was terrible. You get it? We never think of the psychological side of these sorts of things because we people figure Moshe Rabbeinu and David Amalekos were beyond human beings. They're not beyond human beings. They were great human beings. They're very righteous people, perhaps. They had a Kesher, you know, with prophecy and the Nevuah that we, can, we can't imagine. But they were human beings, <laughs> right? As uh, Shylock said, if you prick us, do we not bleed, you know? You, you prick Moshe, he bleeds. You get it? You step on his foot, it hurts. It, you know, this, 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 and, and if you embarrass someone, uh, it hurts. Okay, it hurts. Now, David Mel complains about this all the time, by the way. All the time. So here we have X generations later, between Moshe and Shmuel and Nabi, I don't know, it was what, 10 generations? Something like that. I don't know. It's not that long. <clears throat> it's right through the period of Shoftim, you know, a couple hundred years. Uh, so uh, you made Moshe do this, now you do this. And Shmuel had to go through this uh, suffering. With the knowledge that he can make this speech, but his own two sons cannot make that speech. We're told in the Pusik, you know, his two sons took bribes, therefore they were not in a position to say, uh, uh, what do you call it? Plenty of people would have stepped forward. That itself is a terrible humiliation. <clears throat> That's one pop shot. Now I'm going to tell you a different way, a frommer way. That means the only way. It's a firmer way of interpreting this. And I'm sure 
I'm sure some Sram business. It sounds like a Ramchal type thing, that sort of business. And that would be the problem. Somebody advised me I should look up a Hasidic Sefer. I'm sorry, I didn't have time, and I don't have the Rapsalik. I don't have it. That's just who I am. Uh, I could ask my friend, but sweet Rabbi Naaman, he's a Bucky in that. But I'm me. Um, I'll tell you another shot. And that is, is a tikkun. You get it? It's a tikkun. Meaning, the grandfather did Navera, the, 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 the suffering of the grandson is misaking the sin of the grandfather. You follow? Uh, the, 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 the pain and humiliation uh, suffering of one helps the other one in the Olam HaEmes. Uh, if you recall, the Ramah says very famously, I think in Hilchus Yom Kippur, if I remember correctly, that uh, you do Yisker because the Mesim need a Kapar also. Remember that? The Mesim need a Kapar also. Now, um, if you're Korach, it's true. Uh, big time. Now, listen to what I'm about to tell you. I remember seeing in the Sefer Hasidim, and this is the interesting part, that when you David, um, so let's take the average person. Uh, and then contrast it with what I'm about to tell you. The average person doesn't even have kavana. Well, let's say you have kavana. So what do you think of when you dive? You say, slachlanu, reinanu, reflainu, and so on and so forth. Think about yourself. Nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Halabai, everybody should have kavana, all time is from right? an and, you know, and mean everything for themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. A person with a slightly larger angle of vision will pray for his family well, immediate family. Kids need trouble, uh, in trouble. Someone in the family sick, azayin azayin. You have that person in mind. Someone a little bit bigger will already think of friends, colleagues, people in shul that are in bad shape. A very good friend of mine, uh, I don't want to say name, got a very bad diagnosis yesterday. <laughs> very tough diagnosis, you know, so you see your friend, you think about your friend. and so. But it's my immediate dalamas. That is what we expect. The person with a larger vision will think of Klai Yisrael. I could totally hear the way the state of Israel is going right now. I could totally hear someone have in mind when they're diving from an esrei, you know, the simple meaning of the words, uh, you know, help out Israel. It looks like they're, they're, they're going crazy over there. You know, and the Gaza and the Arabs and the Israel and all this other junk. Right? And Vlam Malshin, Malti, Sikva, you know, wipe out Akas, Shabbos, Magar, kill them all. I get that. Right? And a person like that, that's your frame of reference. The Sefer Hasidim says that one of the things a person should have in mind is as follows. Not me, but my children, my children, 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 down the line. So I'm not going to be around to see that. I'm talking about 100 years from now and beyond. Right? So how does a person dive in, you know, for 100 years beyond? People you don't even know will ever exist. You don't know. Nevertheless, the Sefer Chassidim, and you know, I don't have to tell you, Sefer Chassidim is a Behuda Chassid. I'm not talking about a modern Hasidic text. I'm talking about from the time of the Rambam. Behuda Chassid was a contemporary of the Rambam, more or less. And uh, he says, you, you dub him for, the, for, the, for, for later on. And I don't have the Sefer Chassidim in front of me, but I remember very distinctly, there was a year I went through it, that um, he said there are many people that um, were in bad matzahs, and uh, I'll just I'll, I'll I'll describe this 
in a simplistic way. Two people in the Holocaust, and one survived, and the other one doesn't survive. So the one who survived is Bubby's, 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 Bubby, way back when, Davin, for him, had him in mind. I don't mean him specifically, she didn't know who would be long after she's dead. But her great-great-grandchildren, her Enochloch, her her uh, descendants, and they should be spared. So when it's Erefuenu or, uh, I don't know, Hatzileinu, you know, and so on and so forth, she had them in mind. And that's why this guy survived the Holocaust. The other person had an equally pious grandmother, great-great-great-great-grandmother, but she died for the people in her time, which is normal. And therefore, she didn't put any extra oomph, and that's why that one didn't uh, survive the Holocaust. Now, that's a simplistic way, but nevertheless, you get what I'm saying. I use a simplistic example to hammer home the, the idea. Okay? That's what we call, you know, um, praying for someone later on. Uh, and, and this is the idea that the generations are connected, even though chronologically they're not. I'm living in this century, and your great-great-grandson is living a centuries later, something like that. Doesn't matter. But you down for now, and it comes in later on. And it goes backwards and forwards. So you're praying on their behalf, and that could have an effect. Or they are um, praying, you know, for your sake, like, for example, a Yisker-type uh, sort of thing, whatever, and could help somebody who's already gone. So... Korach imposed this humiliation on Moshe by Korach's grandson going through the same thing. Both of them were tzaddik and both were honest, right? By the same thing that, if I can use the right term, was Masakin, it, it made right, it avenged, or something along those lines, uh, the, the wrong that was done to Moses. Okay? The wrong that was done to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now the slate is, so to speak, clean. Uh, now, obviously, Korach wasn't the type of guy who's davening like this Bubby's, Bubby's, Bubby's I just described. So he didn't say, um, look, what do I know? Maybe he was, but I mean, I'm assuming. When he went down to Sha'ol, when the ground swallowed up on him, I don't think he was thinking, oh, my anticles, 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 should get me out of this uh, problem. But it could very well be that, um, again, I'm, you know, this is a, I don't know this. It could very well be that when Korach died, he was put in some kind of Gehenna, some kind of purgatory type situation, or uh, or some variation, the Rose Kafa Kel, whatever it is. And then later on, when when the grandson went through the same humiliation, all right, now Korach is released, he can go to Shemayim. You see, it's a very mystical. So that's a different type of thing. It's not like ha ha ha, the thing that you caused someone else to suffer. Now your family's suffering. Ha ha ha. Now you'd see what it's like. And that's like revenge, the ballad of the fleet, you know. Then you, you know, take it in the kisser. Uh, that appeals to our literary imagination. It's actually a little bit cruel. The other way is, is not a cruel thing. The other way is saying, listen, you, you did stuff, you made a mess, and it's up to your uh, uh, descendants to fix the mess. And uh, let me put it this way. If you impose pain on others... Only when you feel that, when your descendants feel that pain, then they'll know what it was like and, you know, they'll bring proper regret. So let's put it this way. If I'm right, I think I am, uh, then what happened after Shmuel made that speech uh, that is described in today's Haftorah? And he goes on to bless the people and say, now you have a king, I hope it'll work out for you. I'll die for you anyway. Because uh, I told you it was a class act. Uh, Shmuel, Shmuel went home to his house and he's like this. 
grandpa or great great grandpa why did you have to do that to Moshe <laughs> you know what I'm saying uh, I found it put me in the same it, it ended, events ended up putting me in the same mazo and uh, by feeling that that was the teshuva you understand by feeling that that was the uh, I keep using the word tikkun that was the repentance that made things right so here you have a situation where the perpetrator didn't make anything right because Korach, as far as we know, went down blaspheming. Okay? I believe it even says that in the Parsha or something like that. Right? Let me just see here. I think Moshe says, he bought them, he took it those, or something like that. Right? And um, uh, here it is. Potsas uh, Adamas Piho. I think they say is they came out very arrogant. You know the whole the whole group. Here Rashi here I'm looking. So they look Moshe in the face and Macharfa Magadif. Well, if Korach and his whole group went down like that, uh, unless you say it's only Dos Navim, but that's not a star. If the group went down like that, then. Um, they never repented uh, their act. They were just punished. Uh, don't worry, their grandson repented. The grandson repented because he went through, he, you know, he he had to live through such an episode. And uh, then he said, I guess, now I see what my grandfather did was right. So in that case, um, it's a slightly different void. It's not that we're having fun, what they call in German schadenfreude, right? You, you, you rejoice in someone else's discomfiture. It's not that, uh, you know, ha, ha, ha. You made Moshe squirm, and now you're going to squirm, baby. Uh, no. A person like Shmuel, who was a Navi, and I'll say again, he was the biggest tzaddik of his time. That's who he was. That's not hyperbole. That's what they say. Uh, so, a person like Shmuel is going to look at the Jewish people and say, why do I find myself in a situation where I have to defend myself in the terms of Moshe Rabbeinu? Aha. Uh-huh. Maybe because I'm from Korach. Aha, one plus one equals two, and two plus two equals four. So then you see um, a, a larger hand involved in all this. You see a Yad Hashem in a very powerful way. That is a very interesting Haftorah uh, um, to attach to Parshish Korah, in my opinion. Then it becomes really very dramatic. You understand? Not dramatic in the uh, supercilious way, because uh, supercilious is a pain in the neck. But uh, in, in, in this more, uh, how should I say, human and truly religious, truly religious fashion. Anyway, that's why I think why we have the Haftar attached over here. As I say before, the art school is going to give a more, you know, Walt Disney type interpretation, which is fine also. And uh, we'll see. Okay. Once again, I thank the Fleischmann family. I pay tribute. I remember your father very well. And... Um, he deserves all, all, all the tributes that, that he gets. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.